Well, last week we traveled with Paul to uh, Thessalonica, where he delivered news of the Messiah that many found very hard to accept. It wasn't what they had expected to hear, what they'd been taught for generations. Some of the Jews did accept it, but most just could not accept something that challenged their long-held beliefs. And accusing Paul of upsetting the world, they saw to it that he was silenced and forced him to leave town. Well, today we travel to Berea, where once again Paul proclaims news of the Messiah in a Jewish synagogue. But this time he has a much more receptive audience. Let's, let's see what made the difference and what resulted from their willingness to receive the word. We're in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and the first part of 11. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness. We pick up the account in Thessalonica where jealous Jews had set the city in an uproar. A lynch mob had stormed the home of Paul's host, a man named Jason, and Paul wasn't there. So they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city authorities and made them post bond guaranteeing that Paul would no longer preach or cause trouble in Thessalonica. Well, now, that, of course didn't fully satisfy the mob. So Saul and, or Paul and Silas were slipped out of town in the middle of the night and sent on their way to Berea, a less important town, a bit off the beaten path, some 60 miles away. When Paul got there, he went immediately to the Jewish synagogue and started teaching. Now, he went there, as was his custom, because that's where the religiously-minded people would be gathered. But as we saw in Thessalonica, that sometimes works as much against a presentation of the truth as it does for it. You know, sometimes religious people don't want to hear anything they haven't heard before. And to be told that some things they've held to be true are wrong just infuriates them. That's what happened in Thessalonica. Luke notes, however, that the Jews in Berea were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Literally, it means well-born, kind of like the Crowley family in Downton Abbey. Some of you got it. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) Well, the Jews of Berea were apparently a higher class of people. They were thinking people who were willing to listen with an open mind. And they were eager to hear what Paul had to say. Now, obviously, that's the kind of audience a preacher likes. People who are eager to hear. People who come to church with their receptors on, ready to receive what's offered. 
In fact, it's more the attitude of the listener than the skill of the preacher that determines whether a sermon does any good or not. And the Bereans listened to what Paul had to say with great eagerness. They were ready emotionally and spiritually and mentally to listen. But, and this is very important, they weren't gullible. They didn't just accept everything that was being said. They listened, but they wouldn't believe it until they had examined the Scriptures. Let's take a verse 11 again. Now, these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Bereans weren't about to believe Paul's story until they checked it out. They didn't know Paul. They didn't know he was an apostle. They didn't know what an apostle was. And they certainly didn't know Jesus. All they knew was what they had read in the Old Testament. That's the only scriptures they had. And and so they checked his message against the scriptures they had, and they did so diligently. They did so daily. They wanted to know. And they were willing to invest the time needed to discover the truth. They wanted to know if Paul's message could be verified by God's word. And they realized that since God had spoken to men, he expected them to know what he had said. They understood that God's word is the plumb line by which we are to check out any message of philosophical, ethical, or spiritual nature. So they searched through the scrolls to see if what Paul was saying was true. And what he had to say was not easy to believe. What he had to say about the Messiah and the Messianic kingdom differed greatly from their understanding. They believed the same things the Thessalonians believed. They were looking for a physical kingdom of power and glory. Yet Paul spoke of a suffering servant who took upon himself the sins of the world. That was not the kind of Messiah they were anticipating. Well, probably with Paul's direction, they spent some time in... Isaiah 53, a passage we looked at last week, where they discovered that the prophets had indeed foretold the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And then they no doubt began checking out everything, Paul said, to see if the prophets had foretold other things they had missed about the Messiah. You know, sometimes our biblical education is, is fragmented and it's not complete. We overlook things. We, we get some favorite passages that give us a sense of peace, but we stop there. They needed to know. Is what Paul saying verified by God's word? 
They began to check, and sure enough, many of the details about the Messiah's life that they didn't know were foretold in the Old Testament. Details that match the life and ministry of Jesus to a T. Paul, no doubt, told them that he was born in Bethlehem, and they discovered that Micah had said the same thing of the Messiah. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from days of eternity. Paul must have also spoken of his miraculous birth, actually being born of a virgin. And surprisingly, Isaiah had said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Paul may have told of the flight of Jesus and his parents into Egypt to escape Herod's jealous attack on the children of Bethlehem, and they discovered that indeed the Messiah would be called out of Egypt. When Israel was a youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The Messiah's ministry in Galilee, kind of a backwater of the Jewish nation, was also prophesied. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. His ministry, however, would not be limited to Galilee. He would come into the holy city and have a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The prophets also declared... The Messiah's ministry would be cut short by betrayal for 30 pieces of silver and that the money would go to a potter. And I said to them, if it is good in your sight, give me my wages, but if not, never mind. So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wages. Then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, that magnificent price at which I was valued by them. So I took the 30 shekels of silver and threw them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Paul, no doubt, also told how the authorities had treated Jesus, how they had beaten him and spat upon him. That, too, had been prophesied. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. Certainly, Paul told of the crucifixion, which had, in effect, been prophesied centuries before crucifixion had even been thought of, and that lots would be cast to divide the Messiah's clothing. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. 
I count all my bones. They look. They stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. The grave, however, would not be the final resting place of the Messiah. For as we noted last week in Psalm 1610, the Holy One would not be abandoned to Sheol, nor would his body undergo decay. He would arise from the grave. The Bereans were overwhelmed. And they were convinced. They were convinced that what Paul was telling them was true. Jesus was the Messiah who had been promised from the fall of man. They could believe it because God's word confirmed it. It was true. And they believed it. Faith had come by hearing and by personally examining the word of God. They knew Paul was telling them the truth. And they believed the truth. Let's read on. Many of them therefore believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea also, they came there likewise, agitating and stirring up the crowds. And then immediately the brethren sent Paul out to go as far as the sea. And Silas and Timothy remained there. Now those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens and received a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible. They departed. Obviously the response was much better in Berea than in Thessalonica. And it was because of the mindset of the listeners. They were receptive to the word. Because they listened with an open mind. But they weren't gullible. They checked out everything Paul said by examining the scriptures to see if it was so. And then they accepted as true what they discerned to be the truth. Many of the Jews, in contrast with only some of the Jews in Thessalonica, believed as did a number of prominent Greek women and men. And again, I think it's significant that Paul, accused by many today as being chauvinistic, had a significant ministry among women. A strong church was born in Berea. But Satan never lets victory come easily. Word drifted back to the Thessalonians, or to the Thessalonians that uh, the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea. And the unbelieving Jews of Thessalonica didn't like it. They traveled 60 miles, some three days, just to stir up trouble. They began agitating like a storm, churning up waves of the sea. They stirred up the crowd. an inflammatory half before long, things got so bad that the believers decided they had to get Paul out of town. But they didn't just send him away, as had been done in Thessalonica. They personally conducted him 
to safety. Apparently they made it appear that they had sent him away by sea just to get the Jews off his trail. And then they personally conducted him overland to Athens, the next major city, where they no doubt hoped he would be successful in proclaiming the truth that had so changed their lives. They were willing to commit themselves to Paul's safety and to his mission by getting directly involved in his ministry. And once Paul was settled, they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him in Athens, no doubt having assured Paul that they could continue the work in Berea without their help. They had received the word with eagerness. They had examined the scriptures and they believed the truth. Because of that, Paul was able to leave behind a strong, effective body of believers, a body committed to the word of God and to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Indeed, we should all strive to be like the Bereans. We live in a world of great confusion. We hear lots of things. But if we will listen and listen carefully and then go to the scriptures and see what it says. And when we discover the truth, we build our life on it, we can make a difference in the world. We need men and women who are noble-minded who receive the word with eagerness, who examine the scriptures daily and believe the truth when they discover it. No matter the cost, no matter what changes it requires of us, may our response to the word of God always be to trust and to obey.